Welcome back and welcome into another episode of the Third Degree Podcast. I am your host, Justin Stanley. With me, we have Mr. Sparky, Lil Wayne, aka Dylan Meadows. Dylan, we got no time for pleasantries, man. I would love to talk to you about your weekend because I know what you did. I know it was fun. Everybody, he went to Destin. He had a great time. Pups, yeah, great, everybody. It was fantastic. Like karma, right there. <laughs> but aside from the pleasantries, do you do you know? Do you realize how big this weekend was? Do you know what happened this weekend, Dylan? Do you? Yes, it was real NFL live action football. We had it on Thursday night. Uh, you can make the argument with some of the college games that you've watched. You had some players that displayed on Saturday, obviously Sunday, like real live, like a full slate of NFL games, Justin. It was beautiful. It was and beautiful. last night where <laughs> I'm going to have to like eat crow for a little bit, but I'm also going to have, I, I'm going to eat my crow with honor and you'll see why. I can't wait. I already know what you're talking about, and I can't wait to talk about it. But, dude, it is, it's crazy because from, you know, the end of the Super Bowl, so early February until kickoff week one, that Thursday night game, that primetime game, it feels like a lifetime, man. Like, your life feels a little less meaningful in those months. Like, you have, and that sounds so sad to say, but there is really less Slow to look forward to. It is. It seriously is. Besides free agency and the draft, there's things that get you, get your fix, keep you going, but nothing is like opening kickoff weekend, man. It's fantastic. And let's jump right into it. Let's jump into the first game of this NFL season. We have your reigning, defending, undisputed champions of the world, the Los Angeles Rams. Going, they're they're kicking off at home against. The Buffalo Bills, baby. Bills Mafia travels to Los Angeles, coast-to-coast game on that Thursday night. And I don't think it went how a lot of people thought it would go. I think people thought they were expecting a shootout of sorts, a lot of high-powered offense. And uh, Dylan, what would you say the fans got out of this week one matchup? More of which a Josh Allen display of that man already oh, yeah. looks like he is on a mission. You know, we heard reports that Matt Stafford was having an elbow type issue, but seems to be maybe that affected how he played. Maybe not. He says he's fine. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I really couldn't tell, honestly. I think this was more of a Bill's statement. More than more than a uh, Rams slip up. Now, don't get me wrong; it's it's not ideal for the defending Super Bowl champion to lose on the opening night. You know, you definitely want them to, or at least start the season one and zero, especially when it's prime time and it's to start the new quote unquote um, repeat run. It's not ideal to start off zero and one, especially uh, someone who could potentially meet you there. I was telling one person, you know, hey, this is the opener, but this could also be the closer of the season as well. And sure could should have been last year, in some people's opinions. You're right, and, uh, and the fact that it's, um, you know, that was already the opener. That, that that's why I also love about the uh, the meticulous planning that the scheduling people have with uh, scheduling these type of games. It's like, well, you can't really get it in the Super Bowl, but guess what? You're going to get it in the opener. And Josh Allen just showed us that he's already in midseason form, 
ready to go. Stephon Diggs balling, yelling at people on the sideline. Cooper Cup looks like he didn't miss a beat. He's the Cooper Cup looks like he just picked right back up where he's from. Um, as a Cam Akers fantasy owner, I hope things get better. But <laughs> that's just you big can give me the thumb. Down. You can give me the th- yeah. You can give me the big thumbs down on that one. And right now it's looking that way. But um, we won't we won't we won't get into that. Hey, it's a week one overreaction, baby. It's week one. It doesn't need to it's- be. Uh, this is a good. This is a good win for the Bills. This is a good confidence builder, especially going into next week where you play a uh, Monday night against the Titans. So yet again, they'll be in prime time. And you know, just th- this is the Josh Allen look at me. I, I, I'm potentially MVP type season. Yeah, and, and you're going to hear, I'm glad you bring up the Josh Allen MVP conversation because it started before kickoff ever took place. You know, Josh Allen's beginning MVP buzz heading into the season, seemingly all off season. The Bills have all the Super Bowl hype. I feel like on every major network, every big time analyst, their AFC team is the Bills. And it's hard to disagree, to be completely honest. And I think this game is a good reason as to why that's the case. I mean, you said it. You nailed it. Josh Allen looks like he's in midseason form already. That dude was – he was balling on all fronts. He looks awesome, as he always does. Who cares Stephon about Diggs, the two picks? No, who gives a shit, man? People look too much into the numbers and stuff like that. Right. Picks happen by taking chance. Some There are bad picks, don't get me wrong. But a lot of times there's picks that are the fault of the receiver. There's picks that are from you just trying to make a big play, and there's good defense. People can play good defense. I feel like, like that Stephon always gets – Diggs, yeah, what you were saying with him. That, that oh. man, he, he, oh, he already yeah. looked like their friendship is like right back where it left off. We talk about Dude. players picking up. Stephon Diggs is – I said it. He's a top five receiver in this league, man. He's elite route runner. Hudson agrees. He's say Hudson agrees. He is screaming about it. I hear He's him. I hear you, Huddy. I hear you, buddy. I mean, if I'm not a big proponent of buying another team's jersey, but I would buy Stephon Diggs' jersey. He, he is just incredible. He's incredible. But let's talk about the Rams, man. And we don't have to talk too much else about this game because I think it is a huge game that you can put into the uh, the folder of the overreaction week one takes is. Are, are you concerned about the Rams? You mentioned Stafford's elbow. You mentioned Cam Akers, but long term, it's it's a long season. Are we concerned about the Rams after Week One? No, it's no. I mean, there's always been that stipulate or that um that that storyline, uh, how uh, like the Patriots during their dynasty that September was just their worst month. Like hell, they could even start their season two and three. I think at one point they even did, and they still won a Super Bowl. It's a Justin. It's a very, very long season. They're still probably feeling themselves after the Super Bowl run. You know, they're probably thinking easy people, to be hung over in L.A. Easy, bro. Especially when in that type of city where everyone is still, you know, taking in everything that you talk about, and uh, <laughs> the fact that you have uh, Aaron Donald. Let's just say thinking of a possible UFC career after uh, football is done, but um, it's different, man. Because it's you know they're, they're coming off the Super Bowl. They they make all these all in moves. They're very top heavy, ladies and gentlemen. This is what the Rams kind of don't want. So there's already just the talk of you know Stafford having his elbow issue, which may be the case, which may not be the case. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to sit here even try to even pretend like I'm one. But 
from I, but from a health perspective, if Matt Stafford, maybe Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, hell, even Allen Robinson, Cam Akers, if any of these players get hurt, there's not really a whole lot of depth behind them. And, you know, they definitely drafted a good bit of receivers, but they're not, you know, proven commodities. They've, uh, no. you know, it's, it's, you know, especially if Matt Stafford goes down, then you're really screwed. And, oh yeah, you know, like you said, Justin, it's a long season. It's just one week. You're playing a team that just is literally, they probably have the number 13 just branded all over their locker room, just literally just saying we were 13 seconds away from an AFC championship and we were, we would probably be favored against whoever was coming out of the NFC, which more, oh, yeah. more likely was the Rams, you know, definitely over the Niners. So this was a Bills, again, feeling themselves as, okay, if we see this team again, we already got the upper hand once. It'll be a long time before we do see them again, but we at least know we can beat them. Like our quarterback is better than their quarterback. Yeah, and that's an easy conversation for any Bills fan, any Bills uh, team member to say. One thing before one thing before we move off this game is um, I talked off air to Rob about this when I had the you know the pleasure of being in the great state of Georgia with Rob over the weekend. Georgia. And <laughs> um, one take that I'm going to say on on recording forever for everyone to hear: if Allen Robinson does not. Obviously, it's it's very easy to bounce back from this week one performance. What, he looked terrible. Week, Justin. Oh no! But he, listen, take a deep breath. I, I want to say it before people say it. If he cannot be efficient on this team over the next few weeks, it proves that he his breakout seasons in Jacksonville were flukes. And I hate to say that because I'm the biggest AR fan. I have his college jersey. I have a framed autographed college picture of him catching the ball over Michigan. I love Allen Robinson to death. But if he cannot get it done on this offense with this team with an elite quarterback, was it the team's problem all these years or was it an Allen Robinson problem? It's one way, Justin. Even I'm Odell, saying, hey. o- Odell even took a little time to develop. It'll be fine. It's we'll see. Just one week. We will we'll see, see, but we will see better days. I hope it's not true. I hope say. it's not true, but I want the take out there because I want it to be the one to say it first, damn it. I want to say it first. But let's move on to more overreaction games. This is a big one. A big one of, that we saw last year, which was a huge overreaction. We saw players clapping at coaches. We saw quarterbacks clapping at players, at the media, and everybody. It's the Packers. It's the Vikings, man. The Packers find themselves in another predicament week one. Holy shit. Justin Jefferson just scored another touchdown. <laughs> Breaking news. Justin Jefferson. Just as we're, just as we're talk, recording right now, Justin Jefferson just scored a touchdown. You fantasy owners have won this week. Congratulations. That dude is still <laughs> wide open. He he is literally still wide open, man. And the, the Packers find themselves in another weird week one. Last year they got blown out by the Saints in that weird – I think they played in like Jacksonville or something weird, some weird hurricane situation. They're like a neutral site more or less. They, they get blown out by the Saints smashed by the saints this week they're playing minnesota on the road and uh it didn't look pretty man aaron Rodgers looks like he missed his best friend mr number 17 Devontae adams who was having himself a good old time despite the loss down in las vegas with mr Derek carr and 
is it? What is up with the Packers week one, man? Jair Alexander's bitching about who he's matched up with, why he's not on Justin Jefferson. And before I send this to you, Dylan, breaking news, Jair Alexander, there are things in this world that you cannot stop. You can only hope to contain. Justin Jefferson is one of those things that you can only hope to contain, damn it. You're not stopping him. I'm not stopping him. Nobody in this planet can stop Justin Jefferson. But outside of that silly nonsense, what the hell is up with the Packers, man? Well, we already talked about Josh Allen being in midseason form. Well, snarky Aaron Rodgers is already in midseason form with the head shaking, the eye rolling, the cussing out, the the I'm not going to the the new guys. I'm just simply going to go to who I know. Now, thankfully, Romeo Dobbs, or I think I'm saying that last name right. Is that I can never get how to pronounce his name. I say we'll just say Dobbs. Yeah, we'll just say Romeo. Everyone knows who I'm talking about. The the wide receiver for the Packers, Romeo, the fantasy you know darling that everyone just happened to get in training camp or didn't get. I guess should say, but he happened to have just a little early mishap, and Justin, thankfully, thankfully, Aaron forgave him rather quickly because. Everyone knows the very first play that the Packers start the season off, Aaron takes a massive bomb. Like just takes the snap, steps back, huck it, chuck it, football. Like he is going to just bomb it away. Bomb it right to that second round receiver that everyone is hoping and praying that is basically just, you know, the instant impact player. And then boop. Right in his hands, drops. Aaron just instantly is just, you know, and you see it on the sideline, like everyone just instantly deflates. Justin, it's almost at that point in the in time, it just seems as though Aaron was like, Okay, now I know it's gonna be a long season. Where I mean he I mean he he has very he, everyone already knows he had very little patience to begin with. And now it's very unheard of that you lose not only just your top receiver, hell, not even your top two. You lose your top three pass catchers from your offense last year. They're they're gone, and you just go with what you know, which is at this point Randall Cobb, Aaron Jones, and AJ Dillon. To whereas again, R- Romeo had to be forgiven early because he had to be the the other contributor. They went to Sammy Watkins just a little bit, but not really too much to really make an impact. Just enough to at least be you know. I guess uh, have an illusion of a um, of a functional functioning offense, but Justin, it just got to the point to where again he just Aaron's to the point in his life where he doesn't really have to be patient, but he needs to develop patience. You know, okay, prime example, Justin, you're a parent. Mm-hmm. True. Aaron is not. No. You're also married. Aaron Aaron has never been married. Nope. So you have, you specifically and the listeners that are married individuals and with children, y'all have just a whole new just book of wisdom that people like Aaron and I just don't have and don't really know about because we don't really know about patience. We don't really know about having people adjust to our standards like we don't know like we just expect people to do that to where as a parent 
you have to be incredibly patient because your children are going to make massive mistakes and mm-hmm. you have to be willing to forgive them. Now, again, thankfully he forgave Romeo earlier and still got him involved. But what was terrible is that you had Matt LaFleur literally have to draw up end around plays for Christian Watson and Romeo to actually just at least get involved to, to basically have someone touch the ball. That's not Aaron Jones or AJ Dillon or, Randall Cobb, like it's if yet if I'm sorry, not yesterday. If Sunday was an indication of how it's going to be for the Packers all season, man, those uh three one year contracts that Aaron has, they they may get shortened pretty quickly. And not only that, man, like I actually feel kind of bad for the. Uh, the Packer defense because yeah, outside of leaving Justin Jefferson open, which he basically ran almost the same route from what I saw. And I had to go back and watch the game. He almost ran damn near the same route every time because Justin, he played inside uh, leverage with the cornerback, but he also played outside leverage with the, uh, with the outside linebacker. So normally they would have an outside linebacker actually kind of, you know, at least shadowing Justin Jefferson because they knew they had to give him the ball, especially if he moved within the slot. But dude, what he would just simply do is he would just simply run a, uh, a deep post or even just so much as a, a deep crossing post, and he would just be just wide open. Like he would literally just play the coverage that the Packers were in, and it was almost a uh, bro. It was almost um, it was almost a, an art form. It was it's beautiful. It's again, he Redemption just dude, dude, he just hard. scored another touchdown. How? How is he still wide stop. open? <laughs> Whose man is that? Like it's it's not it's not Alexander's man, but outside of exactly so outside of that, the defense actually played pretty well to keep Kirk Cousins a little bit on edge, but they didn't play nearly as good enough as the Minnesota defense, who were basically just wanting to kind of make a statement. Um, game one, I, I know we'll talk about Minnesota, but yeah, as far as the Packers, it's like man, Aaron is already again in midseason form, just shaking his head, eye rolling, scoffing. I love it. I love the Petty King. It's it's classic, man, and it's it's. And I think it's it is an overreaction. I think the Packers will be fine. It's a new group. Losing a generational talent like Devontae Adams is no, you know, slump of a task. That's huge. That changes everything. And I think they'll figure it out. Derek Last Carr year, loves it. Oh, he sure. Who wouldn't? Who would not love that? But no, the Packers they got embarrassed last year, and guess what? They finished first in the NFC. You know, like they'll be fine. And as for the Vikings, man, it's it's interesting. The Vikings are always such a conundrum to me to diagnose who they are. I, we talked about it last season, man. I never know well, okay, which so version of the Vikings so, we're going to get. Okay, so all right, last season, no one questioned their offense. Everyone was questioning their defense. So mm-hmm. Sunday, you have a defense that shuts down a run game that and also just kind of limits Aaron. Okay, Justin, by the third quarter, Kirk Cousins had 20 completions. Aaron only had 20 attempts, and he only had maybe like 100 or so yards. Like, bro, like uh, I even wrote down in my notes here, just like uh, like I even wrote down Aaron left work early. Like he, he like Jordan Love got in the game with literally a minute, two seconds left in the game. Just like he, mm-hmm. he Aaron was completely – checked out and when you can completely check out Aaron Rodgers 
you have done your job as a defense. And that's exactly yeah, what impressive. they did. It really is because they they were it was constant pressure. There was one play where and bro, this was a Zadarius Smith revenge game. That dude oh, yeah. was sure hitting was. Aaron like he owed him money or something. And there was one play where he completely just blew up the screenplay and uh, Aaron happens to look back and thinking that AJ Dillon's completely wide open, but all he does is see two purple shirts and his offensive line, which looks like all three of them were just about to just pancake him, causes a fumble and that what really just causes a little bit of the onslaught, you know, within that game. And it's you know, Zadarius Smith definitely really he definitely kept his receipts, I guess, as the, uh, oh, as yeah. the kids say. And it's he did. He said he went to Minnesota to be able to play Green Bay twice. Well, he's off to a tremendous start, and oh, yeah. I think uh, I think uh, Brian Gutenkus. I know how much y'all love hearing me say that. Good day. He man. He and not only just that man. Like just and, I, and again, I know we're just going to talk about Minnesota later, but God, what a statement! What just what a massive statement, not just to your division, but just to just the nation. I mean, even before people were just uh saying like how great they were, I was even just saying, you know, they're gonna win their division just because they have the better weapons. Yeah. And it just they're already off to a great start. I mean, I understand that, you know, the Lions, you know, put up, I believe, the second most points in the the league this past week. I believe the second most. Uh Sounds oh, no, right. Uh, Second to the team they lost to, which no, no, is no. crazy. I think it was the third most because uh, the Chiefs scored forty four. Y'all scored thirty eight, oh, okay. and um, they had thirty five. Uh, yeah, they had thirty five. So yeah, they, they obviously they can score points, and then um, you know pretty much I mean, you know, the Bears they won. So I mean, right now it's kind of looking like it's like, hey, can the Packers literally go from first to worst? Like, is that in the realm of possibility? Well, to, and we won't have to stick on this too much because I want to. I want right, to. Right, right, but, it, it's, but it's just fascinating say, how it, it all. It's hard to go to worse so in that quickly. division. Oh yeah, no, I don't think they'll win it at this point, and that's just glaringly. I think they'll be fine, but I don't think they'll. I think the Vikings are going to be a tough, a tough team. But to go to worse will be very tough when you're in the same division as the Chicago Bears, who we can talk about that game later. So I'm, I'm actually not going to comment. We're going to talk about that game later. You mentioned the Vikings, and I want to move to a game that has direct impact to the Vikings because it's the team who the Vikings play next week. It's a team you already talked about. It's the Lions, man. Let's talk about the Eagles-Lions. Obviously, I'm an Eagles fan, but obviously on this podcast, you, me, maybe Rob, I can't remember, we all said the Lions are going to be sneaky good. They are going to be sneaky good, and I think they showed it. To be completely honest, I think – Obviously, putting up what you they said, could the third have most easily points. quit. Yeah, they absolutely when could it have. went up to thirty-one to seventeen. I believe it was. Um, I'm pretty sure it was like the third quarter. Let's Dude, let's put it. It was thirty-eight twenty-one. Yeah, so it was in better. the third quarter, bro. They kept fighting. If that was the yeah. old Lions, if that was the Matt mm-hmm. Patricia, Bob Quinn, or whoever other garbage show that was in the Lions, they would have easily quit. But the fact that they just kept fighting. I mean, I, I kind of believe Dan Campbell now when he's saying that, you know, yeah, we're going to take a hit, but when we come back up, we're just going to just keep biting. Like, you know, we're going to take a piece with us. Like, I, I mean, I oh, legitimately yeah. believe that now because, I mean, yep. Justin, they're going to be feisty. Like, they're going to be mm-hmm. they're going to be pretty feisty. And I think, I think more it, than feisty, man. I think they're they're going to win some games, dude. 
already had them winning at least seven, but I mean, they can literally flirt with nine and eight. They can upset some they could. people. They can obviously score points. I mean, yes. they just need, they just, it, they just need better than Jared Goff. So I'm sitting here yeah. thinking like, all right, well, what if they win like seven games? And, uh, you know, this is obviously supposed to be a phenomenal quarterback class. What if they get someone like a, uh, like, you know, like a Hendon hooker, or if they get someone mm-hmm. like a, like a Will Levis, or if, uh, if Anthony Richardson just gets better, like what if they get someone like Dude, him? Like, I what mean, if they- I'll do you, I'll do you one better, man. And we, this is draft talk. We're talking light years down the road. Yeah, light but years, you think but about still, this, like they have a roster that can compete. Like oh, they have a roster that is there and that's absolutely. ready. And this is without s- Jamison Williams too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. But they could literally, no joke with how this class is formed and with what teams we expect to be bad, including, in my opinion, still Jacksonville, Chicago, teams that already have young quarterbacks who aren't going to take – a quarterback again, you would assume, dude, that gives a team with a six to seven win range to really get a Bryce Young, a CJ Stroud, one of the guys who end up going second or third in the quarterback class. They could they could literally get one of those guys because the talent in this, like Will Anderson is the consensus right now, the consensus number one overall pick, which obviously, again, it's super early and we don't need to dive into the draft talk, but you're, I absolutely agree. If they had, if you put a young, talented quarterback into that, Lions offense Getting with paid the peanuts. other weapons, man. Their their O line is good, dude. Their DJ general Chark. manager Justin can make the move too. Brad Holmes, you know where he came from? He came from the Los Angeles Rams. F them picks. We don't yeah. mind trading away draft picks to go get stars if they feel yep. as though one of these young quarterbacks is a star. They'll trade the picks to go get him, especially for a yeah, roster yeah. that is ready. And a division yeah. that looks like pretty wide Winnable. open right now. Yeah, exactly. Because mm-hmm. how long yeah, can absolutely. Kirk Cousins really keep this up? Yeah. No, I mean, I'm with you, man. I mean, you can only be bad for so long. I think in the NFL, it takes a little bit longer to suck for a long time <laughs> to recover from that. But I think the Lions are going to do it, man. I think they're going to be a tough team. They showed it on Sunday. They're a resilient bunch. DeAndre Swift's a monster. If he can stay healthy Them, on the field, him all year, and the O line played great. And that's oh, it, yeah. the the fact that DeAndre Swift was able to now it's now, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't watch this game, those stats with DeAndre Swift are very misleading. So everyone knows how good the or the Philadelphia defensive line is. Well, that should really be a testament to how great the Detroit offensive line really played like Panay Sewell, Frank Ragnew, like they actually took care of business in creating holes for DeAndre Swift to make plays and make the cutback lanes to do what he needs to do to get downfield in an explosive rate. Like the, again, man, like just Detroit is going to be, they're going to make you earn the win against them. And if you mm. don't, if you just literally overlook this team then you can get run over very quickly. Yeah, you can't you can't overlook them. It always seems like an easy win. It's a trap game, and I said it before that game kicked off. I thought it was a trap game. Um, Eagles still get the win, which I'm happy about. They didn't cover, which obviously pisses off a lot of people. But I'm glad you brought up the offensive line and obviously the Eagles' defensive line, um, because Rob will be pissed if I don't talk about this. What my issue, despite 38 points, 31 from the offense. There's obviously a pick six by um, James Bradbury. Shout out to the newcomer, but. My my issue with this Eagles team has nothing to do with the offense. Has everything to do with the defensive coordinator by the name Jonathan Gannon, who I wish got a head coaching job last year. Man, the biggest problem with this game, and this this is not there's no slight at the Lions at any point. 
But Jonathan Gannon sucks. He sucks. Jordan Davis played 22 snaps. 22 snaps. When he was on the field versus off the field, the yards per carry for Mr. DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams went from around, like, I think three to double digits when he was off the field. It just, Jonathan Gannon is an idiot. He has Hassan Reddick dropping into coverage. He has Josh Sweat dropping into coverage. There's just a lot of dumb shit that needs to be cleaned up. Um, or I just hope he kicks rocks. But I want to talk about positive Eagles things. I was going to say, here. it's an easier message, Justin. When you when you win and you play badly, it's a much easier message well, you to your team. Well, yeah. it's a much easier message to your team. Like, okay, think about this, fellas. We still won, but we played like shit. Oh, yeah. Here's the times that we played like shit. Still won, but imagine if we can play better. And that type of camaraderie and that type of confidence builds, especially with the young oh, yeah, team. For sure. You saw, you know, obviously you talked about the James Bradbury edition, how that was literally a bread basket turnover. Mm-hmm. Like he it literally Thanks to another newcomer, Kaiser White with the tip tip yeah. drill to James Bradbury. So it was- and obviously your boy, you know, AJ was just a man, you know. I, oh, I just- let me let me talk. Let me let me talk about AJ Brown really quick. So, oh, you, oh! You mean you weren't going to talk about AJ Brown? That's more of a that's more of a uh, pod discussion more than anything. But please tell me what this. Uh, I couldn't wait to hear this uh, this little segment that you got here. So everyone knows, I love AJ Brown. I love AJ Brown in Tennessee. I liked him at Ole Miss. When he was traded to Philadelphia, it changed my life. No, I'm just kidding. It brightened my it brightened my dark days. It made the sunshine brighter. I slept better at night. You know, everything was just great. But I never dreamed. I never dreamed what it would really look like on the field. And damn it, it was great. It looked good. This AJ Brown, not even a hot take. It's facts. AJ Brown is the best receiver to play for the Philadelphia Eagles since Terrell Owens. Facts. Not close. He is ridiculous, man. I watched him carry a grown man 10 yards. It was drug, incredible to watch. Drug yeah. a lifeless body 10 yards with the football in his hands. Oh, don't worry. Tennessee fans are definitely used to seeing that. And Oh, I've, oh, I've seen him do it. We'll in get into that many, later, many but it's it, it was definitely still a beauty to see. But uh, dude, he did, he did it in every which way. He did it on slants. He did it on screens. He did it going deep. He was doing everything, man. He is an absolute... <sighs> monster taking away our conversation for later (laughs) dude he oh my god he's so good in the fact of the titans and we're gonna talk about the titans don't you don't get by here i don't know justin you kind of you kind of took up a lot of talking points (laughs) well we oh we're still gonna talk titans fans are gonna be like i don't want to hear any more of this podcast now like at all i don't want to hear any tennessee tennessee stop listening Titans fans, Titans media members, I don't care who's listening. I want to get I want to get Zach Williams back on here. We're going to talk about this shit. Who who all the owls, who 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 signed off on this AJ Brown trade from Tennessee? How the hell do you let this man leave your team for one first or whatever measly bullshit that was associated with it? This dude is ridiculously talented. He is unreal and I will cherish that sweet sweet man for every moment Up until he's he in gets Philadelphia. hurt. That's, Up until he gets hurt, this. we already you, talked you, about this. He's you, missed the, the three end games of your sentence. The end of your sentence should be "Up until he gets hurt." Well, that's fine. Because guess what? Players get hurt. Injury is part of the game, baby. And AJ Brown is a Philadelphia Eagle, and he's not a Tennessee Titan. 
and it still baffles me every day that they traded. It was an incredible debut. It really was, especially with, you know, I mean, you can already tell that him and Jalen have an instant rapport. You know, we talked about it with John. I mean, that was just going to be just one of the biggest contributors to the season, and it's already off to a phenomenal start. Now, Jalen still needs to improve as a passer. Now, this is an even bigger testament to the Detroit defense because it wasn't just the the Detroit offensive line that was getting after it. So was the defensive line. And the linebackers were bringing the pressure to really force Jalen into, um, you know, with those RPOs, he not only just had just the one read look, but it's also just like, all right, well, if you're going to run, you're either going to have to make this decision quick, fast, and in a hurry. And it's really hard to make that type of decision really fast that often. And they, they made him work for it. Now, again, he's second most work. blitzed uh, quarterback in the league this week. It was already was, – it's ridiculous because he had some of those uh, – those also those are also uh, misleading stats with his uh, completion and attempts because he had those like, those like weird like little throwaways to where I kept saying, I was like, how mm-hmm. was that not intentional and gr- or intentional grounding? But somehow it just never was. But I guess that's a little like Belichick little uh, secret that uh, Nick Sirianni has that he's just not going to share with anybody up until people are like – how is this not intentional grounding? And then people start doing that because it was really smart by Jalen because he's not taking the sack. He's basically just throwing the ball away. But as far as him throwing downfield, he definitely needs to get a little bit better with that. Um, I think everything will be fine. Again, Justin, it's a much easier message to say, guys, we played like absolute dog shit. But guess what? We still won and we put up 38 points. Can you imagine how good it could be? If we played well, like we could, and again, they could, they could have put up, they could have put up 40 points within the third quarter from what I saw. Mm -hmm. Like, um, it's like, it's, I I don't know. So from what I was just simply just seeing, like he he just made play after play as far as like running, like there is no question. He is a natural runner of the football. It is literally a poor man's Lamar Jackson, but you don't really need him to be spectacular because of all the playmakers around him, and especially how he was getting the running backs involved. I think they need to get Dallas Goddard a little bit more involved. He was making big plays. But I think the Eagles this, will be fine. The Eagles is... are winning that division, especially now with all the breakdown that we'll get into later. Like it's <laughs> Eagles are hand and shoulder or head and shoulders above, or I guess you could it even say be. hands. Like when they put their hands on their head and they're you know twirling their hips just saying you know yeah we getting it we getting it we getting it yeah he it's it's all man like they're winning that division and it is no question about it yeah i I agree and to your to your goddard comment i i said this to said this to somebody i think this this offense is going to be feast or famine for any of the weapons because it's so i mean until jalen develops more as a passer I think there's gonna be weeks when Devontae has huge games. I mean, weeks where he's got more accurate. He just needs to. Oh yeah, he yeah he's got more accurate than he was. Yeah, for sure. But again, I think the line it's the Lions' corners are also pretty solid. Um, like why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Ronald or not Ronald Acuna? Um, yeah, but his last name is Acuna. He uh the cornerback they drafted like four overall. I'm blanking on his first name. Oh, you mean uh, Acuna? Jeff Acuna. Acuna. Yeah, sorry. Um, I had Ronald Acuna on my mind, but he played really damn well. As does he, everyone. If you watch the coverage, <laughs> if you watch the coverage he had on Devontae, it really 
it stood out. He, I mean, the Lions are tough, man. But we we talked about the Titans. I want to talk about the Titans game a little bit because Rob would be pissed off if he listened to this and we didn't talk about Saquon Barkley because uh, producer Rob needs to slow Rob. his tone. Hey, but I I have I'm on the same page as producer Rob, and my, that page Saquon Barkley is back, baby. He is. Saquon Barkley looks like a monster. Brian Dayball lit a fire under his, you know, previously injured a lot ass over the last two years. And Saquon looked like Saquon of old. He looked like Saquon, you know, who was running wild up in Happy Valley. Um, it's a shame that he plays for the Giants because they still suck. Say, so speaking of but, day ball, Exhibit said it best, put your nuts on the table. And that's exactly and that he did, what he did. He, he him and did. Saquon he, both did it. They, oh yeah, man! Uh, they did it all uh, over Nissan Stadium. Like it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> like no, <it's>, it. <laughs> they they did what the Broncos didn't do, and that's they put their nuts on the table, man. They went for the win. They went for two at the end. Saquon converts it, and you know they got the dub. Fortunately, the Titans missed a field goal at the end, and you know the rest is history. It's a, I believe, a one point loss, if I'm not mistaken, maybe two points. I can't remember, but. What, what do we think about the Titans, man? I, I think they're kind of like the Packers in the regard of they lose a Pro Bowl, all-pro level receiver. So it's a little bit weird time to adjust. Derrick Henry coming off the injury, but I don't how – do how do you feel about the Titans? It's overreaction Tuesday, man. It's There's got to be some overreaction there. I don't really think it's more of an overreaction. I think it's just more of just what I saw just off one game. So I'm just going to just react off just this simple, just one game analysis. I think that Tennessee is going to have to rely on their defense, specifically their defensive line again, and specifically big Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons mm-hmm. was a manimal amongst boys in that game. and As he usually is. Yeah, he is. And it still didn't matter. I mean, the Titans were still getting pressure and still sacking the quarterback, even, you know, with Harold Landry gone for the season. So um, Mike Vrabel is still able to get everyone to their best point to really just want to just actually just still play that attacking scheme. But, I mean, Justin, this is (laughs) – if Kyle Phillips and I think Dante or – I'm not sure, uh, Hilliard are your main play – if they're the, your main playmakers, mm-hmm. we have a problem, which yep, means well, yeah. I am down, obviously, on Todd Downing. <laughs> see what I did there? So, <laughs> bro, and and his third, like when I went back and yep. watched this game, yep, I know you're gonna his say. third, his third and one decisions, mm-hmm. especially how crucial they were. In the game, one, you run a wildcat formation with Derrick Henry, which ideally sounds pretty great, but Derrick Henry, it, it, let's call a spade a spade. He wasn't having a great game. He kind of looked still mm-hmm. hurt. Like he didn't, he, he kind of, he didn't have the same burst that he did. He's probably still, you know, still getting acclimated to playing football because even when he played in the wild card game, he was still hurt and didn't really need to play. But so he's still as though. I guess mentally, you know, still trying to get back there. But, you know, he fum- he basically fumbles the snap and then, you know, instantly stopped on third and one where, you know, pretty much now the Giants just come through and then next thing you know, <laughs> they they score. And next thing you know, uh, what was it, um, uh, the, the wide receiver sweep. Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? Like, they could have sealed – the game right then and there with Derrick Henry just simply just getting one yard, like the two 
crucial downs with Todd Downing mm-hmm. calling those plays in a crucial setting in the time that he called them. So terrible. Just oh, yeah. God awful. And I'm pretty sure Vrabel will see that, call him out on that, and fix that. And I don't know if there's an underling to fix it, but it's like, you know, there was already questions That's an about easy fix, Todd. man. Just don't do it. Don't ever do that again <laughs> on third and one. Scott Frost is available. Now nah, I know he wants that. <laughs> that's just that's, that's just unfortunate. Not good for I, I'm sorry. That that's literally the all I will say about that, ladies and gentlemen. You know how much I like Scott Frost, but we won't get into that. So it's terrible because you know what makes a defensive head coach last longer and makes their offense sustainable is that they have a possible future head coach calling the offense. Like he had mm-hmm. when he had Matt Lafleur, it was much easier to call up offense. When he had Arthur Smith, it was much easier to call up offense. But now that he has Todd Downing, it's not going the way that it is. And it really doesn't look any better when you happen to see the Philadelphia-Detroit game and you see A.J. Brown, as we said earlier, just doing A.J. Brown things. And you just look at that and you're just like, I'm pretty sure if we just had – two or three of those plays, like the game would have been we, – we, we wouldn't have to rely on a game-winning field goal to win this game. But oh yeah, we've said in the offseason the Titans are in a transition without saying they're in a transition. It's, it, it's such – I don't know. It's – I don't know, man, because, again, they, the Titans were favored. And th- I feel like this should be more of a talk of – the Giants, personally, because this is more on Brian Dable, and this is also more on not just uh, Saquon, it's more like say him. And to me, say him is what he needs to do. And say him has them say quads that run over mm-hmm. Tennessee. And it's it was astounding, man. Like He, he looked like, I guess the, the, the title of this um, podcast should be uh, Men on a Mission because he, Saquon was just another person. And he even just kept saying, you know, I remember everything that everyone was writing me off and, you know, just everything. Just And he came out, again, he just put your nuts He's on the beast. table, <laughs> get the oh, wheelbarrow yeah, out, carry them boys around the street, just – it's terrible, man. It's terrible for the Titans' defense, but it's. I'm happy for the Giants that, especially with Brian Dayball, we we were a big, I guess, fan of that type of hire. And mm-hmm. then, obviously, for our entertainment purposes, we need the New York market to be good. <laughs> so, it's it's great for the Giants. Bad look for the Titans, but um, again, week one, it's only one game, and again, hey. it came down to a game-winning field goal that. Uh, oh, I guess with uh, today's news, uh, it seems like not all kickers are safe. So, kickers, make your damn kicks. You have one job. Kick. Literally, it's literally your job is to kick. It, <laughs> one thing bef- I want to say about the Giants, too, obviously besides Saquon, and it's not a positive takeaway. It's the uh, what the hell is their situation at wide receiver, man? Because two years ago or last season when they signed Kenny Galladay, everyone's like all the Giants fans were hooping and hollering about Kenny Galladay and his smooth routes and blah, 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 Kenny G. And they got freaking Sterling Shepard and they got Kadarius Tony and all this shit. They were just ghosts, man. Kenny Galladay sucks. 
he'll be lucky to be on the team in a few weeks if there's some way to get out of his money. But Kadarius Tony, the the mystery of Kadarius Tony just confuses the shit out of me because that dude they, last season looked incredible. They're he trying to like get two the, snaps. Yeah, they're trying to get the they're trying Justin they're trying to get the ball into his hands. So there was one play he was supposed to do like a little end around and it looked like he was about to pass, but he just didn't have enough time. So when I went back and watched this game. Justin, they pretty much just decided like the second period or the second quarter. I'm sorry. It was just second period. What the hell am I thinking? Uh, second quarter. Uh, we're just going to give the ball to Saquon in multiple ways. We're going to give it and yeah. we're going to throw it. And then when it comes time, we're just going to take a deep bomb to Sterling Shepard. And that's just going to tie the game up. And then, you know, now we have a new ball game. But the main playmaker they were going to was the rookie from Kentucky and uh, Wondell Robinson. And, uh, there was a report that he may have gotten hurt. I don't see like how serious it was, but uh, I think he may yeah, have gotten I hurt. I mean, he did get hurt. I don't know if there was any like update. Um, sadly, I, just, I didn't sadly. see anything like serious. Um, I mean, I can take a look really quick. It's probably anyway, but he was pretty much like the go-to no, guy for Daniel MRI, Jones. Though. Okay, okay, so he was pretty much like the go-to guy, and you know, but they're they're still trying to get Kadarius Tony the ball. You're right. Uh, Kenny Galladay seems like he's like the third receiver, even though he's on the outside. Which he might be seems the fifth crazy. receiver. He sucks. <laughs> he is terrible. And that's all I'll say about Kenny Galladay. He deserves no more my time, attention, or voice. Let's talk about your team, Dylan. Let's talk about them. Them Saints down in the Islands. Who dat? Who dat? Nation. With the big comeback, man. Huge, huge comeback. Seventeen points, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. That which. Shocked the shit out of me because the Falcons are not a team that want to be winning games. I can promise you that. They do not want to win games. And Marcus Mariota being their quarterback is all you need to know about them not wanting to win games. But walk me through the Saints game, more or less the comeback. Like, what the how the hell do they pull that off? 17 point deficit to come back and win is unheard of. This is professional football, man. Every team is tough to a degree. But walk me through what the Saints did in that comeback to obviously beat their division rival. Well, Justin, uh, I'll just kind of give a quick little summary to even just put them in that or give the the listeners uh, just a little bit of just a, an idea of just how they even got in that situation. So pretty much a, a lot just kind of just happened within the Saints' negative way. Cordell Patterson was just running all over them. And then next thing you know, it's the fourth quarter. There's 11 minutes to go, and it's 26 to 10. You said, yeah, 17 unanswered. Points and that's the largest comeback and that's the largest fourth quarter comeback in Saints history since uh or the largest fourth quarter comeback since 2015, which was the largest in comeback history. But yeah, 17 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. So this was the only game I was able to watch as I was driving uh, or as my <laughs> as we were driving back from Destin. So I wasn't driving. I I don't drive. It's no, I don't do that. But I'm watching the game. <clears throat> And next thing you know, they just start just going. I don't know why, Justin, it took them literally within a little bit of the start of like the fourth quarter of just like literally just start going up tempo. Because again, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I'm sitting here thinking, like, God, Dennis Allen got handed all of this. Like, yeah, Jameis is, you know, he's, he's healthy and there's all, there's all these weapons, there's all this optimism. But then again, there's all these injuries. And then there's just like the speculation of how much does Sean Payton really influence. And like, there's just more questions than answers with the saints. And it's like, it doesn't oh, yeah. help that it's 
the very first game of the Dennis Allen era, and it's twenty six to ten. And we're and I'm just sitting here, just like God, like how, like this, this is awful. But next thing you know, boom, up tempo. That he finally realizes that Mike Thomas exists. Start getting him the ball. Jarvis Landry makes a big play. Same with Chris Olave. They start scoring touchdowns and they start getting stops. And Justin, it was just such a it was such a thing of beauty to watch. And I, now they all was kind of screwed up. So Jameis Winston gets the ball and um, or they get like a first down conversion. And um, I believe uh, like he he comes up to the um, or the, the I think the receiver ran out of bounds. Yeah, the receiver did run out of bounds. So no need to like stop the clock. So Jameis Winston gets the snap and he spikes it. And again, the clock's already stopped and he doesn't need to do that. So they get an intentional grounding. Yeah, I want Rob to hear this. They get an intentional grounding from your man, producer Rob, J-Bo, as you like to call him. And it, it, it just makes it to the point to where it's like, all right, this is just even tougher. But the next thing you know, they score. And then there was a personal foul for the for the Falcons that had to move them the ball up after like kind of like the weaning seconds of the game just for young Sha- or um young young Shao Ku. I don't know his first name, but I know his last name's Ku, obviously for from fantasy, but sets him up for I think like a sixty plus yard field goal, which he obviously misses. And yeah, so the Saints start off the Dennis Allen era with the largest fourth quarter comeback. It's a resilient win. It's an excellent win to start off the season, especially over division rival. I think this now makes uh, eight, uh, like I think seven or eight, maybe at least, at le- let's just say at least five for argument's sake. This makes at least five times in a row that the Saints have beaten the Falcons at the Falcons. Hmm. That's a pretty in- impressive stat. And yeah, it was a hell of a game, man. It's, it's sad for me because uh, the Eagles own the Saints first round pick. So when they were down big, I was like, this is great. What a, what a start to the day. <laughs> Top five. But, here we go. <laughs> here we go, baby. But no. It blown out by the win, Falcons. Man. That's top five material. <laughs> Um, I was super impressed with obviously Michael Thomas's comeback. He has two touchdowns in this game. Jarvis Landry seemed to be a huge part of their game plan, especially in that comeback effort. He impressed me. Um, I did not expect Jarvis Landry to do a whole lot, but he made me eat my words at least week one. And um, yeah, the Saints are the Saints are interesting. We talked a lot about them this offseason. Obviously, your predictions for them winning the division um, playoff. I think we all predicted them to make the playoffs and. They're going to be tough, man. They're going to be tough. But let, let's move to let's move to another game. We're going to stay in division. We're going to talk about the Sunday night game. My division rival, your division rival. It's the Bucks. It's the Cowboys. And what I guess the schedule makers and the you know the producers of the NFL was like, oh, this is Week One rematch from last season. Tom that Brady Thursday and one of the biggest, crazy. if not the biggest brand. Yeah, with the possible. Oh yeah, here we go. Sunday Thursday night, night football. Justin, they they hyped everyone up Week One, and boy, did it deliver. And man, it did <laughs> terrible, 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 terrible. It was a it was a kickoff. Um, I think. If uh, some of those, well, mainly Tampa's kicker, if he kicked for some other teams, we have a lot of different results at the end of this one. But man, this game sucked. You know what sucked and looked flat as hell? The Dallas offense. They looked horrendous. We missed Obviously, House of Dragon for this shit. Exactly. Exactly. And man, 
if if I wasn't traveling for 14 hours leading into that, I still would have fell asleep right after halftime. It was it was horrible, dude. And obviously the end result of this game is Dak Prescott is he's out for a while. So this, despite Jerry Jones going on record today, yeah, about saying four weeks, he's yeah, an idiot. that he is an absolute. Ladies and gentlemen, don't clown. don't wish that. Do not wish that. That do not wish that. Rushing back on a a hand injury for a quarterback is geez, like come on, Jerry, get your head out of your ass, man. And honestly, Crane, Jay Crane said it today. The Dallas problem is Mr. Jerry Jones. He yeah. is their downfall. And I, this he, is not a doubt. I'm, I don't even want to go on a doubt. We're not rant, trying but. to hate, but it's it's just so true. And everyone knows how much Jerry just idolized Al Davis. Ladies and gentlemen, in case you forgot, Al Davis literally ran the Raiders until he passed away. And it's going to be the same thing for Jerry Jones. He will not give up power. Like he, unless like unless legal just ramifications happen, he's not giving up power, and no, it's it, it's terrible because it's he is there. He, he no one will no one will ever be bigger than the brand. I, I keep saying that with the Cowboys, and Jerry is the brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely, man, and obviously. I would say Jerry as, you know, president, owner, GM, uh, you know, the the biggest voice in the room for that franchise. He's the reason to blame for what this team is this year. The reason to blame for, you know, all the offseason moves or lack thereof, the decision to trade Amari Cooper outside of, you know, money, of course. But they trade Amari Cooper. They bring back Michael Gallup, who isn't playing for who knows how long. He tore his ACL in December. Um Lost Albert Wilson. Their O line is banged up. I saw somebody else on their O line got hurt as well. Man, they're just Connor McGovern. Yeah, yeah, they're just in a. And obviously, the biggest one of them all is Dak Prescott, their franchise quarterback, an All Pro, a Pro Bowler, an elite level quarterback, got hurt. But even before that happened, the offense looked terrible. Like, absolutely horrendous. They don't know who the running back is. Zeke's fat. He's got a freaking alien versus predator helmet on. And I was going to say, he kind of looks like a ha- character from Halo. Like, that's all I was thinking. I was just like, man, he kind of looks like the Master Chief in a way. Yeah, don't compliment him. Master Chief is a great human being. Zeke sucks. But, man, Dallas is just something. And even on the Tampa Bay side, man, they obviously got the win. Mike Evans with a ridiculous touchdown catch. But, even they lose Godwin to a hamstring injury, who came off of a knee injury last year too. Re- it's just, real quick, just first of the season. Mm-hmm. Want to go win hunting? Mm-hmm. All right, go for week, it. Week two, uh, they host the Bengals. You talk about the Cowboys? Yeah, win hunting. Yeah, the the Bengals win easily. Next week, next week. All right, this and this is the this is up to their bye week, which supposedly Dak is supposed to be out, ladies and gentlemen. So these these this is the next eight games. So first game is the Bengals. All right, yeah, I'm predicting yeah, that's a loss. That's that's awesome. All right. Um the very next week after that is uh at the Giants. Mm. I'm saying loss. I'm gonna still say it's still a loss because yeah, who's playing Cooper Rush is playing quarterback. Yeah, at that point, it's a, like at a that dude, point, Daniel Jones you, is the better quarterback, and Brian Dable is already proven to be the better head coach. Fun fact about um, Cooper Rush, really quick. I saw today that the Cowboys actually cut every quarterback not named Dak Prescott off their fifty-three and brought back Cooper Rush after IR move. So that's how much they thought think of him, or how little they think of him. I should say they didn't even care to protect him on the roster. 
They think he stinks, and he does. So keep going. I we'll, say after the Giants, so so we have them at zero and two. Well, I guess at that point they'd be zero and three. Yes. So uh, at that after that, it's the Commanders. So this is a real heavy division like slate already. Probably a loss. Okay. <laughs> All right, and the, oh, the next one, uh, the the Ram or at the or at the Rams, ass kicking. <laughs> uh, at the Lincoln prime time. Dead. They're dead. <laughs> Host the Lions. Loss. Here's one. Day or day before Halloween. Uh, I like uh, people like to call it mischief night. Uh, and there'll be a lot of mischief. That's for sure. Uh, they host the Bears. Win. You get that as a win. <laughs> yeah, because the Bears suck. The Bears got their win for the year. Okay, <laughs> they got their win. for... For the year, all right, and um, I think uh, what I think that's seven, right? That's like one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven. Yeah, that's seven. Okay, and the last one, uh, they um, they go to the Packers, and that's a uh, mid-November, Jesus so there Lord. could be like there could be they might weather they could have maybe two wins. Like I could see the Giants potentially because they're deep. They still have Micah Parsons. They still have that stupid loser playing cornerback. So, but. That's why I yeah, wanted to Dallas go win. For a, they're in for a rude awakening. Ooh, man. They, Justin, they need Jimmy G. <laughs> they, San Fran won't do it. If I'm John they Lynch, won't. I'd be like the the going rate. The, three picks. The, no, the bar, Yeah, the the bottom first is is three picks. Two of them have to be first, at least. Yeah, dude. Because I know that they're desperate, the and NFC? I know. Yeah, exactly. Well, I know Jerry. Jerry would be desperate. Like Jerry's the ultimate salesmanship. Let's keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, this guy said one plus one is three. Are you really going to listen to someone who says something that type of asinine? I get what he was no. trying to say with the optimism, and I get from you know from a salesman point of view, and just from a you know just from a business sense. But it's like Jerry, like bro, like you're getting kind of old. Where it's just kind of weird. Like it's just. You're just, just saying a lot of like son of a bitch. Yeah, like you're just saying a lot of kooky things, and you know, now you're just now even you're breaking the news for injuries. Like just he he's an idiot, man. He's an absolute idiot. And before before we move off this game, because we got we got one more game to talk about. Um, what I was kind of saying earlier, I think I think the Bucks are in for a weird ride. Like I think the Bucks are still going to be good. Saints are winning division. I will. They're, they're I will banged up, and I don't know. I need to see more of the Bucks. I need to see they, the Bucks. They play, play Tampa this week. Jeez, oh, and and, oh, and Tampa is favored. That's interesting. Keep in mind that storyline of how it's worked out the last four. Don't oh, yeah. count the playoffs. The last just four regular seasons. Keep that in mind. Well, you know what? On that note, we're going to talk about more. Because I know we're going to talk about Tampa next weekend, so we're we're gonna I'm gonna hold off on the Tampa takes. And we're gonna get to Monday night, man. We're gonna get to Monday night, which is a huge, huge homecoming disaster game. This is a disaster. Disaster. To to Dylan's dismay, Pete Carroll got the dub over Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Man, the Russell Wilson Pete Carroll saga. Russ takes the L. Dylan, how'd that make you feel? This was basically Russell Wilson and um, Pete Carroll as if it was Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. I looked at it like that. Just pretty much it's almost like, mm-hmm. yeah, the Russell coming home as Bill Belichick 
needed to win, like whoever needed to win that game just came away with, okay, it was always that person. Like to Pete Carroll, he's probably thinking, I have two Super Bowls. I have one with Russell Wilson and I have one beating Russell Wilson. Like it doesn't matter. Seattle could not win a single game for the rest of the year. Doesn't matter. The one game that they were that they needed to win, and that everyone seems like they are kind of happy, including ex teammates, that they won, <laughs> was beating yeah. Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. And the only thing I will say, as far as like the huge negativity for the, any that, because when I was watching that game, I was completely dialed in. I was watching it as if I was a Bronco fan, obviously from uh, from from our group texts. Sorry, Justin, things got a little heated. Yeah, it happens. It, it's all right. It's it's, it's okay. I, ladies and gentlemen, I just I just told Justin I would ha- I would turn his son against him. I wouldn't say how. I just said I would just eventually turn his son. I, against I don't even him. want to know how. I, I don't even know what that meant in the moment. I was just like, yeah, okay. I just told Justin I needed something. He needed the exact opposite, and let's just say it worked out better in Justin's favor than it did mine. But anyway, so it was a, a terrible disaster because again. <laughs> Like he paid Russell Wilson all that money just to basically just get him to just not do anything. And then uh, if you saw the Manning cast, you know, you basically see Peyton just calling a timeout, like it right at 50 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then like with the clock winding down, it's Justin, it was, you couldn't have picked a worse homecoming. But again, like getting back to the only negative thing I'll say about just that entire game was if you're a Seattle Se- Seahawks fan and you really, think that booing Russell Wilson is a good idea. I get that you're a fan and fan is short for fanatic, but that man literally made your franchise relevant for the last decade. Mm-hmm. He could you you could say that and, and I I'll I'll continue to say that he is literally your franchise's best player ever. And you yeah. boo him. I oh, think yeah. that all Justin, I think that actually, you know how much I love studying human behavior. I think that psychologically messed with Russell from the get-go. Like I, I don't think he was Probably. expecting that. Especially as much of a PR guy well, that he is. He? I mean, it just doesn't make why, who why would you boo? Yes, he wanted out, but he was never vocal about it to the media. He never badmouthed anybody. He was only vocal you about know? it to John Schneider and Pete Carroll. That's it. Right behind closed doors like a professional. You know what I mean? There, He's at a different point in his career than what the Seahawks were trending toward as a team and as an organization. So to be booed by a fan base when Eagles fans cheered McNabb, who trashed the shit out of the Eagles when he left, the Eagles fans applauded him more than the Seahawks fan did for, for Russell Wilson, who won them a Super Bowl. I was going to say, he didn't even win y'all a Super Bowl. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. It just it blows my mind because I, I just don't get – and we talked about it, and I don't even want to dive into all the like the off. That's the only, yeah. That's the only crap. negative, like I will say about like that. Other than that, the game was fantastic, but it was a Super Bowl for Pete Carroll. Like he needed, oh yeah, to beat Russell for how Wilson. bad they'll be this year. That was awesome for him, and good for Geno Smith, man. Great for Geno Smith. Did you see the Geno Smith one liner? How everybody wrote him off. Didn't like, write right back. back. Didn't write Bro, back. One of the hardest lyrics I've ever heard. Gino was I saw going someone in. say uh, I saw someone say that, that needs to be a Drake lyric right there. Oh, it will be. Someone, someone, like, oh, it will like, be. Who, someone will be someone said like what rapper is gonna put this in their song first? Because that was a hard, a hard lyric. Shout out Geno Smith, man. WVU. He played better than um, Russ last night. Oh, yeah. He, dude, he played he, better he than sharp. Russ. Yeah. And and honestly, I think 
in this is again it's overreaction Tuesday after week one, man. Doesn't and matter. I they think, they could be one in sixteen, but the oh one no, I'm win. not even talking about that. I'm I'm not talking about Gino. I'm talking about I was going to go to the Russ side of the things. Is oh. I think because good good teams and good players adjust. We talked about all these teams and the shortcomings they had, whether that was the Eagles, whether that was we talked about a lot of teams, the Packers, whoever Russ. The Broncos, in this case, they'll adjust. Obviously, he'll get uh, your guy, Cortland Sutton, involved. They'll get Jerry Judy involved a lot sooner. They'll stop throwing to Albert O every damn time, it seems. I don't, I don't even know how many catches Albert O had because I swear, every time I looked at the TV, Albert O was catching the ball, um, <laughs> which is crazy. But, in, I mean, the fumbles, the goal line packages, the red zone packages were just a – Disaster, man. But good teams adjust, and the teams that do adjust will show us who are the good teams. I mean, that's that's how the cookie crumbles, if that makes sense, right? Well, it does make sense, but the thing is, uh, with that cookie, it's it's, it's specific because that cookie has a head coach and a quarterback. It doesn't have a partnership. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm wondering how this is going to work out. A, a, a closing thought here is: uh, Does Russell Olsen need a coach or a partner? Justin, we have talked on previous pods how. <laughs> just, damn it! I knew. Just did, did Rob text thought. you? Did no, yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't. okay, okay. So you mean closing rant? Okay, so my closing rant is that we have short rant. Short rant. We have seen offensive coordinators future with Russell Wilson. We've seen it. We've only seen a head coach once with Russell Wilson. And even that head coach, it all it took was a decade for him to just get sick of him. And I kept saying that Seattle needed to stick with Russell and stick with Pete. I still think they need to stick with Russell, but Russell Wilson does not elevate coaches. He does not he gets them unemployed. He gets them fired. And right now with Nathaniel Hackett, it's again, Russell Wilson's words, it's a partnership. That will eventually become a problem. And it's already becoming a problem. We'll find out if Nathaniel can hack it, you know? You're such a good dad. <laughs> You're a great dad. Dude, if if um I just want you to know during that rant, if the people don't see that Dylan was going in. I was making some crazy facial expressions. I got a nasty Charlie horse, and I did not even scream. Normally, I yell on purpose when I get a Charlie horse. Probably because of all that good parenting. <laughs> mm. that, that's that's a great point, Dylan. Running you know, around. Does, yeah. Oh yeah. Responsibilities, Aaron. Responsibilities. Yeah. Elevating. <laughs> Patience. Yeah. He don't know what that means. Hey, hey, they gave him the money, though. <laughs> They sure did. They, they gave, gave the money. Denver gave Denver gave Russell the money, and they still kicked to the sit on the sideline. <laughs> Bronco sure Nations, did. let's kick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Well, we're gonna close this thing out, man. We we went for a long time here. We I wish we could have covered every game, but damn it, it was a good week one. We are pumped for week two. Obviously, there's gonna be a lot of these overreactions coming to fruition, or you know showing that they were they were just overreactions so greatest reality show on tv absolutely and dylan listeners as they always say go birds want to know baby subscribe to the podcast tell your friends follow us on social media who dat? who dat